Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesusu Christo. Whoever teaches men to keep even the least of these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of God. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today we celebrate Council of Nicaea, which met in three or six councils, which met in 325 unto the second council of Nicaea, which met in 786, I believe. Those councils are which govern our church, especially in the East. Well, what about the other councils? They've had something like 23 councils in the West, which you do not consider ecumenical council. Uh, but if they say something about us, we usually read it. So in Vatican II, they took, it was a constitution on the Eastern New, uh, churches. And I think the most telling thing they said there was when they admitted in the Eastern Catholic churches, there is found the apostolic tradition. It's very interesting. It's actually the first sentence of that Constitution. You can look it up. But the other things in Constitutions, the Vatican II, we would consider, if they're quoting something from an earlier council, it would be important to us. But we do not follow their canons or even the canon law of the Western Church. We have our own traditions and canons. But that's not the point today. The point today is that in the early church, say the first two or three hundred years, there was great difficulty with different people coming up, like Arius and such as the like, with heretical teaching contrary to what the Twelve Apostles and the 72 Disciples and the early fathers taught us. Now there was a fellow called Constantine the Great, the first emperor of the Byzantine Empire, and he had moved the capital of Rome, the city of Rome, Constantinople, to Byzance. And because of that, it's called the Byzantine Empire. But Byzantium existed before Constantine did that. Constantine had a problem. He wanted one religion for his empire. And he didn't want all this argument about the church. He was not yet himself a Christian, but he would die a Christian. He baptized on his deathbed, actually. And he would do a lot. He would be the architect of the early church. Not the apostolic church, but of the growth of the church around in the 4th century, which was tremendous. The actual doctrines of the Catholic Church were all set down in seven years. 
the apostolic writings. Some of them we have, some of them we know about from other writings where they were quoted. And of course, we know what the, t the councils taught us that were that they received from the apostles. And this Council 325 met to keep those teachings safe. And it's called the Nicene Creed. And in uh, Eastern Catholic churches, especially in our church, every liturgy we say the Nicene Creed. And even within the monastery, at the, we say the rosary, we also say the Nicene Creed, not, not any other creed. In the Western Church, they have a creed they say at the rosary, uh, and they call it the Apostles' Creed. And it's nothing, it's pretty good, but it's not from a council. It's from an ap ap baptismal ceremony, which is pretty good. In the um, from North Africa, which would be a Western source, because when Diocletian cut the empire in two, Africa remained in the West, but the south of Italy remained in the eastern part of the empire. Very interesting. Now we can't go over the whole creed today, but we say it in a little while, and we should know that creed. Now, what are the criteria of faith in the Catholic community? The teaching of the apostles, teaching of the doctrines, and the apostles' teaching, the apostolic teaching, gathered for us mostly in the New Testament. But there are other sources. The Book of Enoch, for example which did not find its way into the Bible, but was a devotional book in the early church. What was settled in the Council of, of three, uh, 325, we can't go over all seven of them today, uh, was the fact that Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man, the Incarnation. And so he was, I read something beautiful from a mystical book the other day. And it said in there that, uh, as we know, heaven is a temple. It's a place of prayer where we live with God. And it said at the incarnation, the, the God through the wound of the Blessed Virgin Mary fitted a human body to our Lord. And that the second person of Blessed Trinity, the Word of God, came and dwelt in that flesh. And it was magnificent. We could have wished we'd been to see in heaven to see it. How all the host of angels adored and sang and loved and a great cloud of the Spirit came over them, and in came our Lord into his human body in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Magnificent. A scene of theosis of a man who was to be Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, 
who is truly God and truly man. Something that was only hinted to you in the old writings became a reality in the apostolic church. And that's what they were defending against Arius, who denied the incarnation. He said, well, yes, Jesus Christ came, but he didn't have a real human body. Of course, that was not what the apostles taught us. They taught us that he had a real human body born of the Virgin Mary. Why would he need a human mother if he didn't have a human body? Why would the Holy Spirit come and hover over her? It was she was not given to birth to Jesus Christ our Lord. All the creation changed at that point. The ancient Adam, who destroyed everything by his sin, was now restored in the new Adam. That's what Paul says in Jesus Christ. That he is the new, and so we call that recapitulation theology. The creation is made anew, a new creation. And the father of the church, who lived in the third century, Irenaeus, writes all about that, lots about it. So we have these documents that teach us the gifts we receive from the early church, which are the foundation of our faith. And of late, in, in my lifetime actually, they've founded the, the document called The Tradition of the Twelve Apostles, it mentions all these things, plus the liturgy and the sacraments and everything. And it was written about the year 90, but it's been found just, I think, in the 19th century. And of course, in most of our lifetimes, except the very young people here, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found with a complete copy of Isaiah and the writings of the early fathers teaching us about the meaning of scripture. So we have all this wealth. In our church, uh, all this teaching has been enthroned in the readings from the, the, the fathers of the church, in the melody of theology we hear and we sing our tropars, and in the liturgy. So pretty well, if you take your prayer book, if you have one, and you sit down and read the text of the liturgy, you know everything we believe, it's all there. We repeat it every Sunday, especially in Basil's canon of the Eucharist. These are all very technical things about the early church and our criteria of faith, but we should know them. We should be informed. We should understand the foundations. And we believe the third person, Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit, protects us and guides us still in this profession of faith. And one of the gifts we have when we receive the Holy Spirit, our personal Pentecost at Chrismation, is these faith, open charity the infused gifts by which we can know, believe, love our faith, faith, open charity, 
and we can be confident in the content of that faith. So with all those people on the back wall there, the Carpeteros, they've died for the content of that faith. And Sir Methodius up there on the top of that icon, they're the ones who brought us this teaching in 863. So we're not a very, very old church. We only date from 863. They were two gentlemen from Thessalonica. They had been wards of the emperor in Constantinople. And they brought the Christian teaching to us, gave us the Cyrillic alphabet, and they went all the way down in through Bulgaria. And we were all one church for over a thousand years until all these splits came again. And I guess Constantine turned over in his grave to realize that, look at what the mess they're making out of the world. And what for? Politics and greed. These great, these kings and such, and after the Reformation, they had their principal, Eos Regio, Eos Fide. So they said, well, we'll just take the, the uh, religion of the king. Why do that? Why just right, go away from the true teachings of the early church. Why would you do that? Now the world is split into a mess, especially Christianity, because we don't appreciate the Nicene Creed written by the apostles, nor the teaching of the fathers. And scripture, everybody reads it like they know everything all about it, and that's not true. You can't interpret scripture without a pretty good education in theology. You don't even know where it came from. Interesting. But if you have a background in the faith, you've read the Fathers, you know the Catechism, then you're safe to read in the Bible and see how things fit together. And even texts in the Bible are controversial, especially the Old Testament from the Levitical books and the Deuteronomy and these things because the politics of Israel and the building of the third temple in Jerusalem affected that. And of course, Jesus had a lot of trouble in that place, lots of trouble. But I can't teach you all that today. I want you to have confidence in the Nicene Creed and the teaching of the ancient fathers who gave us that creed. It's interesting, some years ago, not too long ago, I went to, to uh, Istanbul or Constantinople, and uh, a group of us Catholics, mostly Eastern Catholics, a few Romans, and we went to visit with the ecumenical patriarch. He's still there. He's pretty old now. And um, during that trip, we went to Nicaea. The ruins of the church is there. There's several, a couple interesting things about it. The back wall of the church still contains the where the bishop used to sit with his priest. And there's a few fragments 
of uh, icons left on those walls. But of course, Nicaea is in Turkey, and the Empress Palace is sunk in the Mediterranean there. You can see the pillars, the marble pillars of that palace there. That was up on the land, but gradually it sunk now it's in the sea. But when Nicaea met, it was up on the land, and they met in that church. It wasn't a church. It's, the church is no bigger than this church. I don't know where they put 318 fathers, but they must have put them in there. Must have been interesting. So we went there, and what did we sing when we visited that church? The Nicene Creed. Very interesting. Gradually, the Turks have destroyed a lot of the monuments of early Christianity. It's a shame. So I knew a group of Protestant evangelists went to um, Damascus. And they decided that the people in Damascus uh, needed to be evangelized about Jesus Christ. When they were standing in front of the wall where Paul had been lowered in a basket down to the earth. Interesting. And um, they'll say they started to preach to him about Jesus Christ and this and that. You know, and you know, when you talk to figure out who you're talking to before you talk to people. And they said, so they said to them, We know about Jesus Christ. Well, so who taught you? They said, St. Paul. Isn't that remarkable? We have to be circumspect and we have to know our own tradition how we're on the earth for over 2,000-some years since the birth of Christ, and how the apostles taught us, where they came from, what were their words, how they enshrined them in liturgical texts and in the writings of these early fathers, like Irenaeus. The secular history of the period is very interesting. Otherwise... We run around like chickens, their heads cut off, don't know what we're saying, we don't know who we're talking to, and we don't know our own tradition, which comes to us from the apostles. So, in the liturgical calendar, these, these seven councils especially are enshrined. And I made a list one time, I should give it to you, what each council taught in particular. But we still do things in the church, especially in our liturgy, which were taught to us then. Like, for example, St. Basil the Great said we should always face the East when we pray because that's the way the Christ is going to come. That's where he's in, the East. And it's in the Bible, in the day star, in the morning star, begotten you. Well, that's where this morning star, the sun rises in the East. Scripture confirms all these things. The New Testament is actually a commentary on the Old Testament and shows us how what was in the Old Testament was fulfilled. I spent a lot of time studying that and those things. I love it. I love to learn those things. 
So today we celebrate the Nicene Council, a gift from the Holy Spirit to keep our faith pure and keep us in the one holy Catholic Church. People today are still debating the divinity of Christ. And yet that has been settled, 325, at that apostolic council. And still, people don't even know about it. They say, we buy, we build, when they read the Bible, I said, well, do you know what you're reading? It's good to read the Bible if you know what you're reading. We read the Gospels. They were written for the liturgy, and then they wound up in the Bible was put together by the primitive Catholic Church. The first listing of the books was the Moratorian Fragment. And these councils told us which books should be there. There is much more literature than it actually is in the Bible. Some of it is very important, others it's questionable. We had a couple of guys visit here a few months ago. They called themselves Essenes. I said, well, who are the Essenes? Well, they're heretics. And I don't know how they got to be Essenes because I knew there were any left on the face of the earth. But we should have confidence in the hymns we sing, the liturgy we celebrate, and the creeds, which give us the core teaching of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. We are an old church. These things come down to us organically. That's what's so terrific about being a Byzantine Catholic. As we know who did what and when. Well, the churches have no idea. So rejoice today in your faith. We said the Eucharist today, we celebrate the decreed. Think about where it came from. How they fought to defend the divinity of Christ. And we're still under attack for this by many, many people. But God himself, the Father, gave us the Son. When he was born in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he became the God-man. And he is our Savior. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.